today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I always know that it's not the Lord when I'm riddled with confusion, because I know confusion doesn't come from the Lord. I know who authored that confusion. If there's confusion, that's not the Lord, that's the enemy. And that's what these gods with a little g are, and they have nothing to say, because they can't. You bring them all together, like we just did here in chapter 41, and give them the opportunity to present their case. I'm waiting. You can't. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. We'll get confused in our lives pretty often. I know that I do. But in today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us that confusion doesn't come from God, but from the enemy. If you ever find yourself all mixed up and confused, don't blame God. God's will is perfect and clear. The one who makes it confusing is Satan. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 41 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I want to read the verse, follow along as I do. I want to make a couple of comments on this. I know God has used verse 10 in my life in a powerful way. It's a go-to for me, because it covers everything. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, man. You know, in your own time in God's Word, I would encourage you to just meditate on just this one verse. There's so much here. God is saying to us, please don't be afraid because I'm with you. You're not alone. You have nothing to fear, and don't be dismayed or discouraged or given over to despair. You want to know why? Because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I know we talked about this last week. Yes, I know you're weary of little strength, as he would say to the church of Philadelphia, but I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I need help, Lord. Well, I will help you. (laughs) And then this one, and I can't help but notice the irony in this, because he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, this is another anthropomorphism where it's a use of a, a human term to describe God. So it's the hand of God my righteous right hand. In that culture and in Scripture, the right hand, you know, we, we, we take the saying out of Scripture, they're my right hand man. The right hand is the strong hand. My right hand man. In fact, Benjamin in Hebrew, it's similar in Arabic, my native tongue, Ben is son, Yamin is right, son of my right hand. 
That's what the name Benjamin, anybody named Benjamin? We're better if it's, if it's Benjamin and not Yahob. But Benjamin means son of my right hand, my right hand man, son of my strength. And so what God is saying is, I'm going to take my righteous right hand and I'm going to keep you up. I'm going to hold you up. Now here's where the irony comes in. <laughs> they, they had to hold their gods up. They had to keep them from tottering and falling. It's, it's kind of like, this is why I know God has a sense of humor. He's kind of like, don't get, look at them. And He's saying this to them too, by the way. You know, so far, I mean, this is a slam dunk, a closed case. I, 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 I mean, case closed. I mean, this is a... You... you have made your gods that you've got to keep holding them up. (laughs) How's that working out for you? You need those pegs, do you? To kind of fasten them in together, you know, and get the nails that we've got. Man, we better, you know. How about a soldering iron? I mean, literally, they, they had to solder their God together to hold it together. And God's saying, you don't have to hold me together. I'm going to hold you together. Yeah, but things are falling apart in my life. No, I got you. I mean, I'm I'm going to uphold you. I'm going, you know what uphold means? I know this is deeply profound. I'm going to hold you up, right? Uphold, hold you up. I'm going to hold you up. Yeah, but Lord, I'm going down. No, you're not, because I'm going to hold you up. I will help you. I will uphold you. I will strengthen you. Let me. (laughs) That's in my version. (laughs) Don't fight me. Let me do this for you. Verse 11, Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing as a non-existent thing. Oh. So, you know what this is speaking to, right? Every nation that has come against and been incensed with the nation of Israel, where are they? They're non-existent. When was the last time you introduced yourself to somebody and had them tell you that they were an Assyrian or a Babylonian? They don't exist anymore. They're non-existent. They're nothing. They don't exist anymore. Everyone who has opposed the nation of Israel, the apple of God's eye. Where are they? You tell me. I, I, I don't, where are they? Where did they go? I mean, I know the answer, but I'm asking you, where did they go? They're gone. Well, that's why. Now, let me take a step further, just real quick. It is believed that the British Empire ceased to be an empire because of what they did to Israel. And for those of you who are familiar with history, the history of the last century, when 
one of the most important prophecies in all of the Bible was fulfilled on May 14th of 1948, and the nation of Israel was reborn in a day, exactly as God's Word said it would be. And all of the nations that came against Israel have been disgraced and have come to nothing as a result. That's what this is saying. It's really Genesis 12, when God makes the covenant with Abraham, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And all those that bless you, I will bless. But if they curse you, I will curse them. Verse 13, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. Stop right there. Is that not a magnificent picture of our loving Heavenly Father just taking us by the hand? Remember when your children were young and you would just take them by the hand? And especially when they were fearful, that's what he says next, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, verse 14, you worm Jacob. Don't get weird on that. We'll come back to that in a moment. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Okay, what's God saying here? He's not being harsh, calling Jacob a worm. It is a description of the weakness and the vulnerability and lowliness of a worm. It was Roy Hessian in his book, classic, The Calvary Road. He draws a fascinating comparison and parallel between the worm and the snake. You step on a worm, you crush it, you break it. Talk about brokenness. Try doing that with a snake. What does it do? It fights back. It bites back, not the worm. See, this is a description of the vulnerability of Israel, of Jacob, the lowliness of Israel. And it's God saying, I know that you're as vulnerable and lowly as a worm who could just be smashed and crushed effortlessly, but don't be afraid. I will help you. In fact, I'm going to take your worm hand (laughs) by the hand. and I will hold you, and I will walk with you, and I will see you through. Verse 15, behold, it gets better by the way, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small, and make the hills like chaff, 
You shall winnow them, the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord, and glory in the Holy One of Israel. In other words, God is saying that He, (laughs) as only He can, will take that powerless worm and give it powerful, sharp teeth. That's what he's saying. And that's exactly what he did with Israel. The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree I will set, I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together. That verse 20, they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. And the Holy One of Israel has created it. I will do it. It's actually not, I will do it. He went and done it. And one need look no further than to Israel today, where all of a sudden those wastelands are beautiful, fertile lands, exactly as God said. By the way, there's an intersect between what the prophet Isaiah says here and the prophet Ezekiel. By by the way, if the rapture doesn't happen first, we're not too far away from Ezekiel. So I think the rapture is going to happen first, so don't get your hopes up. Verse 21. I love this part. Keep in mind now, we're still in this courtroom, as it were, right? And God is still speaking in silence in the courtroom. They're not saying anything. They can't, but They're not saying anything. So now God is going to have, well, kind of a little bit of fun with them. (laughs) So he says, present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things, what they were, that we may consider them. And know the latter end of them, or declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Yes, do good or do evil. Do something that we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, verse 24, you are nothing, (laughs) and your work is nothing, He who chooses you is an abomination. In other words, okay, you present your case. Oh yeah, I forgot. You can't speak. 
Oh, okay. Tell us what's already happened so that we can know that, or better yet, how about this? Don't tell us just what's already happened. Tell us what's going to happen before it happens. Let's see you do that, because I just did that. And I'm going to do it again here in a moment. <laughs> so how about that? Can, can, can you do that? You go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, speak. Uh, speak either what's happened or what's going to happen, good or evil. Just say something. Do something. Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. You can't because you're, you're nothing. You're not a God at all. Because God made, God's made by man's hands are no gods at all. Verse 25, I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come. This is future. From the rising of the sun, he shall call on my name, and he shall come against princes as though mortar, as the potter treads clay. Who has declared, verse 26, from the beginning that we may know? And former times that we may say, He is righteous. Surely there is no one who shows. Surely there is no one who declares. Surely there is no one who hears your words. (laughs) Because there's no words to hear because you can't speak. I'm sorry, emphasis added. Now, what's happening here? It's like God saying, uh, okay, you can't tell me what happened in the past. You certainly can't prophesy what's going to happen in the future. I will. I'm going to raise one up from the north, yet future. This time we know. And we're going to see this, chapter 45, verse 1, where he's going to name Cyrus, I think it's about 150 years before there was a Cyrus. Uh, That's uh, what I call uh, knowing the future, prophesying the future. And by the way, that's the litmus test to know whether or not a prophecy is true, or a prophet is a true prophet, or a false prophet, does it come to pass with 100% accuracy? If it's 98.3675%, kill him, false prophet, 100% accuracy. And oh, by the way, No one, no religious writing has any prophecy about the future recorded in its pages. The Quran, no prophecy. It came after, by the way, the other subsequent writings. No prophecy. Why? Because God declares I am God because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens you'll know that I am God. So if you're not really God, you can't do that. Well, you can try. You're going to fail miserably. And so God is, I mean you could almost say that He's kind of rightfully 
bragging on himself. I am God. I can tell you what's going to happen in the future. I'm going to raise up a man. His name, Cyrus, chapter 45, verse 1. He names him by name. And God is going to bring him from the north, and he's going to conquer the Babylonians. This is a prophecy that would be fulfilled, yet God declares it, and it's recorded 150 years before it's fulfilled. By the way, one more by the way. This is a good by the way. So you've heard that expression, God said it, that settles it. Uh, You know what God's, I hate to say it like this, it's almost profane, but you know what God's track record is? You know what His his accuracy percentage is? (laughs) 100%. So why do I point that out? Because We have all of these prophecies about what's going to happen at the time of the end. And if all of the prophecies we have in the Bible have been fulfilled with 100% accuracy heretofore, you know what that means, that the prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled will be fulfilled with 100% accuracy as well. God said it, that settles it. Verse 27, the first time I said to Zion, look, there they are. And I will give to Jerusalem one who brings good tidings. For I looked, and there was no man. I looked among them, but there was no counselor who, when I asked of them, could answer a word. Indeed, they are all worthless. Their works are nothing. Their molded images are wind and confusion." Ah, case closed. Jury's not out. Verdict is in. And God has proved it. Not just beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond any doubt, God has proved it. The verdict? You gods are no gods at all. You gods These molded images that you had to nail together and solder together, to hold together, to keep together, you know what they are? Nothing. Wind and confusion. Um, Confusion? Well, that's an interesting word. The last word of the chapter. And that's how the chapter ends. (laughs) The end. Confusion. Who's the author of confusion? The devil. Okay, so he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. He's fathered all of these lies. He's the father of them. And the author of confusion? Oh, so he's an author. Yeah. So he's written books? Yeah. What's the name of the books? Confusion Volume 1, Confusion Volume 2, Confusion Volume Ad Infinitum. He's the author of confusion. You know, I always know that it's not the Lord when I'm riddled with confusion, because I know confusion doesn't come from the Lord. I know who authored that confusion. If there's confusion, that's not the Lord, that's the enemy. And that's what these gods with a little g are. And they have nothing to say, because they can't. You bring them all together, like we just did here in chapter 41, and give them the opportunity to present their case. I'm waiting. 
You can't. You have no case to present. You have no words to speak. You'll forgive me for the pun intended, but you have no leg to stand on. <laughs> We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.